Hey, this is episode 191 of the Collector's Quest podcast. In this episode, we're talking about games that you can't emulate or there's some kind of challenge around emulating and whether that makes them more collectible because there are certain games you can't play unless you have the game. And we're talking about everything from 80s arcade control panels up through stuff that's hard to emulate like the PlayStation 5. So let's go. Welcome back to another episode of Collector's Quest. I'm Tyler, here with Johnny. Johnny, what's going on? Not much. How are you doing, Tyler? <laughs> I'm doing great. I have been... I know, this is going to sound shocking, but I've been searching for some Japanese video games on oh, Japanese weird. auction sites. Oh, okay. That's a very strange thing. I am puzzled why you would be doing such a thing. I this know. This is very uncommon. I've been having, I'm going to say I've been having a bad month in terms of some despair. And not just because I'm losing auctions. There have been some of the more like popular uncommon stuff like that gold punch out have been going up like super a lot in price. I've been in despair that I cannot identify a good number of things I want if they are authentic or not. And I don't know if it's possible anymore on some of these. So first, out, out of the gate, just like I'm looking, I go through so much of the Famicom stuff, and there's like fake Charimara Zeldas that keep coming up. Uh, there's a, a fake uh, sealed Legend of Zelda on Famicom disc system. Like, I noticed that this is very clearly a resealed. It's uh, uh, the sticker is wrong. Like, it's worn on the inside. You could already tell that it's it's not a new game. But like, the sticker is definitely just a little bit off from a real sticker. And, like, if they made that better, it would definitely fool someone. Almost definitely someone probably bought it by now. Uh, but I just see all this weird fake stuff. And then uh, the one that's killing me is All Night Nippin' Super Mario Brothers. So uh, if you don't know what this is, it's basically uh, essentially a giveaway cartridge of Super Mario Brothers that's based on a Japanese game show. Not a, a Japanese talk show that I know I know nothing about it. Uh, but it's a Super Mario Brothers ROM hack that's officially sanctioned by Nintendo, essentially. It had an initial print run of like 3,000, and then they put it on mail order because it was so popular. But it's it's a rare game, except it comes up for sale all the time. So I'm trying to figure out how to identify real ones. And I with Charmer Zelda, all the fake ones have like the wrong date codes and the labels are wrong. So I went and I looked up, I, I like looked at a bunch of copies. I went to Japanese Twitter, Japanese YouTube, and I figured out that they all have the same date code. I'm like, great, I'll just identify it based on the date code. Except the date code is like a pretty common date code for Famicom Disk System games. Like you can go get a Section Z that has the same date code. So I start looking at copies of All Night Nip and Super Mario Brothers. And the date codes are all, like, manufactured differently. Like, very clearly, they were either made on different production lines or someone just burned a fake date code into a cartridge. So that is not a good way that I can identify a real one. So I'm kind of back at square one, wondering if it's, like, even possible to buy a real copy of this game. And uh, it's so, making me So what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Uh yeah, I asked uh, FC Gamer. People might know FC Gamer. He's like a Famicom genius. He's working on a, a a series of like multiple Famicom information books right now called Family Bits. 
Uh, and he just said, yeah, I wouldn't touch that game with a 10-foot pole for anything. I wouldn't buy it unless I had, like, absolute provenance of where it came from, because literally all of them are fake. <laughs> God damn. Huh. Um, so that sucks. That's, uh, you know what? Here we go. What am I buying? Literally nothing, because uh, I've just been shopping a little bit in Japan, and some of it hasn't come yet. Got that over with, Johnny. Yeah. R.I.P. Dreams. Yeah. It's all right. I got, you know what? It's it's one very cool game, but uh, there's other games out there, Johnny. I'll find some more that I like. Okay, well, I'm sorry that happened to you. Hey, it's better than me buying one and then later figuring out that it's fake. Because to be clear, this game, it varies in price because, again, they're all fake and, like, different levels of how good the fake looks. But, you know, maybe 1000 to $2,000 is the average price this sells for. So uh, it is a very expensive game. Oh, wow. I didn't realize... For something that common that it was going to be that expensive. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying with that many fakes out there, if it's like being faked that often, usually that price comes down. I mean, I, I, I don't know, John. I have no idea. There's like, you look at the manuals and some have like the manual, the, the staple for the manual is like pretty centered. Some of them, it's like leaning towards the front. Some of them, it's leaning towards the back. I don't know if that's just variation on how they came off the presses or like there's a maybe one of those positions points to something being real or not there's just there's so much more i have to look at I look at a bunch of famicom games made at the same era and uh see where what those staples look like <sighs> sounds exciting your life is exciting no, make I... sure you check those staples <laughs> this is my life yeah i'm gonna go check a bunch of staples now it's a good idea johnny i didn't even think to do that you're welcome for my insight. Uh, that that sounds bad. Um, I have a question for you though about this game. Is oh. this game e is it easy to emulate? Okay. Uh, yes. Uh, you could download it illegally off the internet right now because I would I would guess Nintendo has never re-released this game. Huh. So this isn't like one of these games that's like impossible to preserve or emulate since there's so many fakes. This is easy to do. Johnny, what do you mean? A game that's impossible to emulate? I thought we could just emulate everything, and game preservation is super easy. Well, yeah. I mean, game, you know, all those archivists out there, you know, preserving all the uh, Zeldas and the Marios, um, you know, they, they're doing it right, right? That's There's nothing out there that people aren't working on right now. Uh, oh, I thought you were talking about the people who are preserving sealed games so we could all play them oh, in the future. Yeah, that those people too. Those those are the real archivists. They're like, I'm doing this for history. I'm going to lock it in this plastic tomb so no one can ever make it useful. Uh, to cool. be fair, they are they are locking away games that are very easy to emulate. And by absolutely. emulate, I mean pirate. But Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's, it's not important. I mean, it, it's a ridiculous statement on all fronts because, that, one, that's not how you preserve it. Two, it doesn't need to be preserved because there's a bunch of them. Anyways. Uh, both sides are wrong. We're both-siders yeah. here on the Collector's yeah. Quest podcast. Boom, doing it. Um, what I'm trying to get at, though, is a sweet transition to the episode we're talking about today, Tyler, which is... Games that you can't emulate, or games that you can't emulate perfectly, or just games that are a problem to preserve. And why do I think that's an interesting topic on Collector's Quest, a game about collecting games? Because multiple times in my life, I have had uh, impulses to buy up games that are hard to emulate. Because I think, in a way... Those are some of the most interesting games you could own. 
Because no matter how many NES games I have, I will be able to download a ROM off CoolROM.com. I don't. Maybe there's a better ROM site now, but and just I'll throw it up in Messen, and it'll be a, almost the same experience as playing in an NES, if not pretty much the exact same experience. But when I think of a console like Jaguar, I know Jaguar emulation sucks. I don't even know if Jaguar CD emulation is a thing. And Jaguar CDs are like garbage hardware. So if you don't have a working Jaguar CD, you can't play Jaguar CD games. And that kind of hardware scarcity and emulation scarcity, I think that makes the game a lot more interesting to physically own. Because that makes you one of the only people who can play it. And it's not like an elitist exclusivity thing, but it's like a FOMO if I ever want to play Blue Lightning on Jaguar CD. I've got to get a Jaguar CD working. Yeah, well, I mean, you you run into multiple issues, not not just the hardware. And Jaguar CD, if you guys don't know, it, it's a system that fails all over the place. Just uh, the, that CD player is not a good CD player, uh, much like the Sega CD Model 1, not a good CD player. Um do you, do you think Sega CD games fall into this category because of the the massive amount of hardware defects that happen there? I don't think so, because I think Sega CD has good emulators. I mean, I know I've emulated Sega CD games before. Okay, so you would say that's a clear difference, and I, I, that's what that's what I'm getting at. The Jaguar, it's not just the hardware. It's I mean, it is the hardware itself, but also the peripheral and the controller, and the fact that not many people have Jaguar stuff to load and do it. Sega CD, uh, even though it's a fairly obscure system, it's more ubiquitous. It's You can play a Sega CD disc pretty easily in your computer. You can play it on a Polymega now. Um, things like Jaguar, you cannot, and that's kind of where we're going. Stuff that is, you know, in some way creates a barrier uh, to this emulation. So, and we'll go into a few different categories. And this is just a discussion. We're not going over everything. Uh, we will give you some some direction on like what we think is cool to collect because as Tyler was saying, if you if it's gone, it's gone or very hard to do. So that makes uh, scarcity is a thing that sometimes makes an item collectible. That's our purview here anyways. I want to go back to what you just said about Jaguar, how it being rare is is part of the thing that uh, that makes it more desirable there. I... I didn't say Don't, desirable. I, I, said, I know, but it, it, more in tune with what we're talking about this episode. But as a counterpoint to that, I think Xbox is a shitty system to emulate. And actually, when I was choosing, I wanted to pick a console that uh, uh, epitomized the mid-2000s era. So I was basically choosing whether I was going to go for the Xbox set or the PS2 set. And I chose wrong. Obviously, the PS2 set is so much cooler than the Xbox set. What kind of idiot would choose Xbox? But I chose Xbox because, one, it had the better versions of games a lot of the time. Two, because it's harder to emulate an Xbox. Because you can you can emulate PS2 games, and it will be better than playing it on a PS2, which is not the case on Xbox. Plus, Xbox has the added element of clock capacitors will one day start killing consoles, which probably won't kill them permanently. Uh, but there, there's a clock capacitor on an Xbox motherboard on most versions of the Xbox uh, that will start leaking and eating into traces. Uh, I do think there's going to be an Xbox hardware problem. Maybe decades in the future, but eventually there will be uh, an original Xbox hardware reliability problem. I, maybe not the most important reason to collect a console, but these are reasons that pushed me towards the Xbox. Uh, basically, the best way to play an Xbox game, I think, is to have the Xbox game and to put it in a real Xbox. 
Yeah, that was... Could you put Xbox One games in the 360? I can't remember. Was there some backwards compatibility there? They use the um, they use the disc as like a a DRM check, and then you download the actual game okay. from Xbox. So One. it was the same. That's why I'm saying. Like I know that's what happened on subsequent Xboxes. I just wasn't sure on the 360 if it oh, actually. Oh no no, the uh, 360 back had like weird software emulation. Uh, emulation that did yeah, that didn't download versions off Xbox Live. Um, it's like all bad. <laughs> if you look at the, uh, the compatibility list for backwards compatible games, like every single game has like some kind of caveat next to it. I'm sure some games look like, I'm sure like Halo and all that stuff is fine, but, uh, a lot of games have caveats when you do that. Okay. All right. What, what else you got? So the Xbox, that's an interesting take that, you know, just because the, the console itself is in essence, a, a time bomb and we'll all be dead, uh, at, at some point. So where, where do you go from here? What, what else do you have? Like, let's, let's start at the beginning. Like, let's go earliest. Let's talk about some arcades with like weird controls where even if you, I mean, there's easy to get a MAME cabinet, you know, easy to put arcade games on your computer, but what arcade games, even if you have the ROM are difficult to play. Uh, well, I wanted to talk about collecting arcade games because, uh, I collected arcade games briefly in the 2010s before I pivoted to pinball. And I think pinball? it's pretty Are all pinballs hard to emulate now. You can't emulate pinball is pin- impossible to emulate. If you don't have a pinball machine, you can't play pinball v- like pinball emulation, visual pinball, video pinball. It's just not the same. I, we could do a whole episode. I don't want to gatekeep pinball, but man, video pinball sucks guys, no matter how good you make it. I like video pinball just fine, but it is not the same experience. Oh, yeah. I like I, I play pinball on my iPad all the time. <laughs> um, <laughs> but arcade games, basically, if you can play a game on a MAME cabinet, and by MAME cabinet, I mean just like your dad man cave, like four player, six buttons and a joystick MAME cabinet. I think that makes it a much less interesting game to physically own. The games that are the most collectible are the games that have a unique element on them uh, built into the cabinet itself. So basically the control panel and the ones that immediately came to my mind were Paperboy, which you play with uh, the bike handles and then use the brakes to shoot the paper. You know, you could do that on a joystick. Uh, The thought of playing Paperboy on a joystick like makes me want to throw up. That sounds crazy to me. Um, 720. Uh, skateboarding is a huge one. It's got a unique like 360 joystick. The joystick actually moves in a circle and wherever you point the joystick is uh, where your character moves. It's not really something that can be done on any other kind of hardware. So if you want the real 720 experience, you need a 720 arcade cabinet. And for that reason, it's a very expensive cabinet. Tapper, it's got the, the little tapper doohickey and Tron just has all these controls jammed under control panel. You could jam all that crap onto your main cabinet, but it's going to make your main cabinet kind of suck. Uh, so games like this are what I think are make arcade games the most interesting is when they have controls that don't work the best in MAME. What about Punch-Out? Isn't there one with a, a bag? With a bag? Yeah, I thought there was one with a speed bag. Am I Am I crazy? What are was you like talking about? Yeah, I thought there was like a weird punch out where you could actually, like, or like you punched into the thing. Hold on. Am I, am I out of my mind? I I mean, there's that arcade game where you just punch a bag as hard as you can. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm insane and I've conflated the two. 
Punch out, it's got like a joystick and then the big body blow button. Does it even have other buttons? Oh, okay. No, I'm crazy. I, I've conflated. I thought there was one where you like did actual punching. Maybe that was something oh. I, maybe that was something I saw at a convention or something that someone had just hacked together. Maybe. So okay, a game I did want to bring up. I mean, there's this is like a whole different topic, but there's like lost games that like obviously if you own an undumped arcade game or something, that'll be the best thing to have in terms of things you can't emulate, stuff that you literally have no access to the software of. Um, there's this game, Sega uh, Heavyweight Champ, the 1976 game. They made other games called Heavyweight Champ later on. It's the first hand-to-hand combat video game ever. It's a black-and-white arcade game, completely undumped. There's, like, one picture of it, and it was it's cropped from the flyer. And then there's another picture of one that sold on Yahoo Auctions, like, years ago, and it's in, like, decrepit condition. And other than that, I don't think anyone knows a cabinet that exists. But that's a game where you actually played by putting your hands into boxing gloves and, like, moving them somehow. Um, Interesting. But I don't think anyone actually knows how it played because there's, like, one screenshot of the game ever. Huh. Okay. What what other arcade games? Any other that stand out? Any big ones? Um, I mean, Paperboy was the one on that list that, like, struck me the most. But, I mean, I think there's other ways to play Paperboy, so... Yeah, I think there's something to be said about modern arcade games. Like, if you walk into uh, Dave uh, and Buster's... Like, it's crazy now. Like, that's a wonderland of, like, you can't... Like, how do you play these games if you're not right there? Uh, like, I'm not even talking about the theme park aspect of it, because there's, like, a Transformers light gun game. It could be on, like, PS3. Like, the graphics aren't great. It's just a light gun shooter. It could literally be a PlayStation Move game. But no, they're but never going like, to release it on oh. PlayStation Move because Rothrill's whole business model is they release games that you go to the arcade to play. And if they never port those, like, what is going to happen to those games? I mean, the the best case scenario for stuff like that, I think, would be Rothrill's goes out of business and then has to sell their catalog to a company like EA, who eventually just ports it all. But... I mean, they've made a bunch of cool games. Like, I don't know, that that Batman driving game? That's a pretty yeah, cool that, game, I guess. And there's no I, way to play it. Did I play it. that with you? Did I play that with you when we were out once? Uh, you didn't or, play it with me, but we've talked about playing Oh, okay. Yeah, that um, one's pretty cool. But, I mean, look at the Mario Karts that exist out there. They're, like, if you would just walk into a Dave & Buster's, there's, like, those one... There's, like, arcade games now that, like, like have the prize winning, like, built into the machine like you do stuff. There's like the angry birds games where like weird stuff happens. There's a lot of like physicality in the arcade games now that uh, just won't come home. But that's, I mean, that's, that's yeah, a pretty extreme case. Getting past the world of video games when it becomes yeah. more than just uh, the video. Right. Right. And you know what? I bet, you know, if Rothrills goes out of business and all this stuff uh, is no longer making money for them, I'm sure Mame will figure out how to emulate all of this. Um, uh, not that I know from any personal experience, but uh, you can play uh, like modern mixes of Konami arcade games uh, on your personal computer if you uh, if you need to play some Beat Mania, Johnny. All right, well, well, tell me what you think about like all the weird mech games where you like and all the old VR stuff from the 90s where you like sat in a giant bubble. Yeah, I mean, if I were like, I don't know, the world's biggest Battletech fan, that was called Battletech, right? Because there's I other believe stuff so. Yeah, if I was that, you know, maybe I would go and buy most of the working cockpits in the world or something crazy like that. But uh, 
yeah i don't know there's there's like that's that's so obscure like you're talking i remember like vr headsets like i remember going to six flags and i would get into like a there was like just a station for vr games and i would put a headset on and it was like i was playing unreal tournament it wasn't unreal tournament but it was something similar to that where the fuck is that game that game's gone is it sitting in a warehouse like I don't know. There was a bunch of those. Like it was like the five dollar game, and you would like go sit in a cockpit and stuff, and things would happen. Yeah, yeah. Like those games are all like those experiences. You just can't really bring home. And if you're, I guess, if you're collecting arcade games, I think the most collectible one I've seen is uh, the original Star Wars. The the one that has like the cockpit that you like sit down. You know, the super big one. Yeah. So if you guys are thinking about that, and I know people do collect that specific cabinet. Uh, I mean, there's stand-up arcade cabinets that have just the yoke on it, but this is like the full sit-down one. But that yoke is a a weird special controller. Sure, you can go play it on Atari and like m- multiple other systems, you but play it on it's, not the, it's, not the, it's not the same experience. That's right, you can if you get Battlefront, right? That's uh, Or the preview disc for Battlefront. It was like a preview disc for one of the Rogue Squadron games. Oh, yeah, yeah, Rogue Squadron. It's uh, the one with the the uh, what's it called? Um, ATAT on it. That's the Hoth level for y'all. Sure, I, I've literally never played any of the Rogue Squadron games. I just bought the preview disc to play Star Wars Arcade, even like in the two thousands. That's funny. Um, I, I bought all of it to to do all of those things. But of yeah, course, I, you did. Yes. I was I was very into being able to play the Star Wars Arcade games because so I'm like, oh man, I remember this. It was at the bowling alley by my house. And uh, yeah, they're not great. They're fine. They're fine. What? They're fine. Oh, Star Wars Arcade is pretty good. That's fine. I mean, it's it's neat and all, but it's like, I don't know. I, and I also, I was doing that when I was like 20 something. So maybe, maybe my nostalgia wasn't quite big enough at that point. Maybe I'll love it now if I go back. I mean, you're right. Like I, I mean, I'm obviously way too young to have experienced that, but I still played Star Wars Arcade in a museum as a teenager. And I thought it was the coolest shit ever. It might have been like the first color vector game I've ever played, I think. It was that and uh, Tempest I played at the same time. Ooh, Tempest. Tempest is a good one. I don't think a lot of people are going to end up buying arcade games. If you do buy an arcade game, definitely get something like 720 or or something that's really unique. I would not recommend... I mean, I don't know. I guess like getting Star Wars Captain. Get the Star Wars. A Turtles in Time or something. But even looking at that, I just look at that and I'm like, man, you could just play that on just like a generic meme cabinet. If I was going to waste all that room in my house, it's got to be for something unique. Yeah. Uh, Because personally, and I I can speak from experience with games like Turtles in Time, you will never play it enough to justify the space it takes up in your house. So (laughs) it might as well be something unique and gimmicky if you're going to. collect it i guess what about all the motorcycle games and stuff where you're like leaning on them you know all this every sega console from like 1995 to or like 1993 to 2000 or just had some giant apparatus that you sat on i mean the the holy grail of those i put in the thing i didn't talk about it the sega r360 there's like three complete ones in the world and i don't even know how many work i think the uh what is that i don't know what that is uh, so the sega r360 it's it's like 10 feet, 12 feet tall. It's a series of interlocked rings and it spins you around 360 degrees while you're playing flight games. To be clear, flight games from like the early nineties, this is not an amazing immersive experience, 
but it's basically oh. a ride because it's so fucking cool. You need like an attendant is, yeah. so you don't kill yourself or the people around you because this thing will literally just like murder everyone if the safety sensors failed. Uh, <laughs> it's it's the coolest thing ever. I think the Galloping Ghost Arcade got one. I don't know if they have it working yet. But like literally, if they have it working, it will be worth a trip to Galloping Ghost. I don't even remember where that is. Somewhere in the middle of America just to play it because I have not seen one since like 1994. <laughs> They had one at Fun Zone in Farmingdale, New York, Johnny. Whew. Man, Fun Zone. You did it. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, like you said, arcade, that's... Like, it's going to be a stretch for most people to be collecting arcade games. Uh, I mean, go get your copy of Hang On in the arcade form with the motorcycle attached to it and and do that. But uh, let, let's let's move into something, I don't know, smaller. Can we Can we talk about smaller items? <sighs> Yep. Johnny, what do you want to talk about? Let's talk. Let's go into consoles. Like you talked okay. a little bit about the Jaguar, but what else? What else in the console world? Like not the game specifically, but like what consoles are you looking at? I, Johnny, you said that and I immediately typed Gizmondo into uh, into eBay because that is an obscure console. I bet, you know, maybe someone will have a passion project where they emulate it. I would not be surprised if Gizmondo is never emulated. It's sold very poorly, and it has a game called Sticky Balls, all of which are great reasons to collect Gizmondo. I, what the hell is Gizmondo? Oh, you don't even know what a Gizmondo is. So. I don't. I've never heard of this. <laughs> like, I'm like, isn't that just a tech website? Oh, that's Gizmodo. Oh. So this was right in that age where, like, just before, um, like, video iPad, uh, video iPods and iPod touches came out. Or maybe it was like around that era where like having a portable device that played video was the greatest thing ever. And Gizmondo was one of these sort of R-Zone, uh, uh, not R-Zone, sort of N-Gage-y kind of things where it was a handheld video console and a media player. Um, it was really expensive. It obviously had no support because it was competing against basically DS and PSP and it immediately failed. The interesting thing with their business model is you could buy uh, the regular version or for like $100 less. Every time you booted it up, you would get an ad. <laughs> so they had an ad-supported hardware oh, model. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, which I think is the most popular model, which is hilarious. That's uh, awful. But it's a very obscure, uh, very rare console. So typing it in, there's two in eBay solds, uh, and then there's one on eBay. That's actually more than I thought there would be. Um, and there's, there's not a lot of games and one of the games is called sticky balls and I'm thinking about bidding on it, Johnny. I see sticky balls. It's $80. Is that worth it? I'm buying now a hundred. Like what the hell? That is, that's very weird. So you, you mentioned our zone, uh, briefly, uh, by accident is art. Okay. (laughs) One I mentioned by accident. Yeah. Um, do you feel like our zone and, and engage? Like, how do you feel about those? Cause I, I feel like. The Engage experience, I don't like sure, but there's only so many exclusives on the Engage, right? Are if any? Like I think uh, Catan is like I one think, that's like a weird one. I don't think the Engage games are all ports, are they? I I, I don't the, know. No, because the rarest, uh, the rarest quote unquote rarest Elder Scrolls game is on Engage, and that's a unique game. It's probably not a great game, but it is a unique Elder Scrolls game, and it's only on Engage. It, honestly, for that reason alone, I, there are probably some people who want to own an Engage and want to own that game. 
And uh, I and think there is an N-Gage emulator now. It's very new. I don't know how good it is, but it shows that someone cares about and is developing it. It it literally might only take the fact that there is, like, there's a Call of Duty, there's a Tomb Raider, there's an Elder Scrolls, and there just needs to be one super fan computer science guy uh, to go and reverse engineer the N-Gage, I guess. And that probably won't happen with Gizmondo, because it literally it has no games. It's just an obscure curiosity for the obscure curiosity people. Okay, um, and uh, you know, don't forget, it's also got Pandemonium on it. You can you can play Pandemonium. That, There's a Bomberman a weird, on it. I can't believe it has Pandemonium. What a weird game to get on a yeah. cell phone. I mean, we know our boy Red the Game Shark's got the Puyo Pop on it for sure, right? I mean, he has. He's got. He's got a lot of Puyo games. So yeah, I'm gonna guess he has that. So, anyways, uh, now that we've said his name, though, uh, if you need cheap import games, you know where to go. Go to Cheap Cheap Games and contact Red the Game Sharp and get your games for cheap. So, speaking, you're spe- let's just talk about the the Dash consoles for a second. So, Engage and R Zone, very different things. I know. I know for history's sake, for research sake, for preservation sake, being able to play an Engage on your computer is going to be perfectly fine. Ninety nine percent of the experience. I feel like there has to be some part of that experience that's playing on, like, that shitty TFT T screen, uh, similar to, like, the original Game Boy. Like, you can play an original Game Boy, and it's amazing on a computer, but, like, the Game Boy experience is playing with no backlight on that piece of shit green screen. And, like, if you don't have that, you don't really know what playing a Game Boy was like. Well, I mean, to to that point, I mean, there, there's a lot of consoles, especially portables, where you're saying uh, the hardware limitations and, like, are, are what make part of that experience. I mean, you could broaden that. You could go to the same with, you know, GBC. It's a very unique, it's a unique color palette there. It's not great, kind of terrible, actually, for a terrible console, really. But you get the 3DS in there. You could throw the PlayStation Vita with its stupid back control on there. Yeah. The worst. I think kind so. of all portables might fall into this category. Like, maybe not like Game Boy Advance. Like, Game Boy Advance is a pretty normal screen, no real gimmicks, I guess. I mean, it used to not have a, a backlit screen, but eventually got one. So playing it on just a regular screen isn't really any different of an experience. I mean, if, I, if I'm thinking about what GBA is that makes it unique, uh, we were talking about this a little earlier, is the e-reader stuff, right? Like the e-reader experience of GBA is like, yes, you can kind of emulate it, but there there's a certain physicality of of doing the e-readers that I felt like is part of the experience. Also, yeah, I was really interested to find out if you could emulate e-reader games and not just like scan in the cards. I meant like play Super Mario Brothers 3 and then scan in like the level cards and emulators totally have that functionality. You could just read in a dot code into your Super Mario Brothers 3. Uh, uh, quick tangent, just for everybody. Like, I don't know who we need to petition but it's amazing that one of the most collectible and most beloved games of all time, Super Mario 3, had this unique release on the GBA. Like, don't worry about the numbering for the GBA Mario games because it's atrocious. But just think that there's this unique game which had these special e-reader cards with additional items and levels and things you could do. And there's no good way to play that. There's just no good way to do it. Sure, you can go kind of emulate it, and I guess you can scan the cards. But, like, why haven't we seen a release of Mario 3 in some capacity? Like, even just, like, uh, you know, 
the on the switch to play or something you know in their download store why haven't we ha- seen that version yet it's crazy to me johnny like there are so i just looked it up there are uh 12 level cards that got released in uh, America. There's even more of them that got released in Japan. It looks like there might be around 20, 25, maybe. That's crazy. I need to go get like those Japanese level cards. I definitely don't have them. Some of them are promo cards. Holy shit. I didn't Um, know that there was special Japanese level cards. That's crazy. Yeah. But like, these are official levels for Super Mario Brothers 3. Guys, the greatest game ever, the most collectible game ever. uh, Left Bros. Not even Left Bros. Super Mario uh, Advance 4 is Middle Bros. Fun fact. Yeah. yeah. So what do we got? I don't know. Maybe 30, 25 Mario 3 levels you've never played and they were made by Nintendo. What are you guys doing? I have no idea. Why are we not releasing this? I mean, and that... Release the Snyder Cut. Yeah. I mean, that also speaks to some of the, like, we, we have a whole section for Toys to Life and, like, e-reader cards, so I want to go into that too much. But, yeah, there, that's a whole other, that's a whole other area. Hold on. Yep. Hold on. I think these are all in the Wii U virtual console release of Super are Mario they? Brothers 3. Are you serious? Are you serious? Did they just shut that down, Johnny? Yeah. So the only way to do it is dead. Are you? S- Did they just shut that down? John. They are shutting it down. Yeah, they are shutting. But like, it's five dollars. So if you can get the definitive version of Super Mario Brothers three for five dollars, and you only have like a week to do it before they shut down Virtual Console, you need to do that like right now, right? Is that really on the Wii U? I did not know they released it. There on are Wii U, 38 e-reader levels, and all of them are in the Wii U Virtual Console version of the game, Johnny. We were planning on talking oh, about this as like a preservation issue. They already did it, and now they're taking it away. And we're pretty in tune with video game people, and we didn't even remember that this happened. That's and I like the Wii U. I, I had my Wii U plugged in for a long time. That's wow. Well, I feel like a dummy now because I never looked. I was just like, this isn't out there. Like I figured it would have had more fanfare maybe it did and i just didn't realize yeah maybe you know i mean i probably didn't care because by the time wii u virtual console was out i was probably like oh you're gonna sell us mario 3 again because you know i already bought mario 3 twice i definitely bought it on 3ds on the, and i bought it on wii and i'm not on gonna the wii, buy it again yeah on wii. and they were doing that horrible like upcharge model everything there like yeah the wii u virtual store had some feel bads when it first came out it definitely caused me to be less interested but there are some like cool games that are available there um that aren't anywhere else but hopefully hopefully they'll bring that to uh to the switch anyways i'm derailing us let's get back on topic okay (laughs) tell me about the cdi what's what's your issue with the cdi why can't we just plug that into our computer and play it I mean, these are just more consoles that I don't think there's a lot of interest in. Um, CDI, actually, the this was just, I was spitballing. Uh, I figured that there, there was a bad CDI emulator and they only cared about making the Nintendo games work uh, as good as possible. That was just, I was going to guess that was the case. Um, but there's actually been progress on CDI emulation in MAME. And you know what? I bet it's not as good as playing a CDI. Um but it's great well, that they're that, putting that, that in. I mean, you're taking some liberties in saying that it's good to play CDI. Uh, there is there a good experience to be had there? So there's a worse experience. There is an maybe, experience not, to be had there. There is an experience. 
I mean, if you have not played Hotel Mario or Link's Adventure, you you should. Uh, Link's Adventure. Yeah, if you haven't played Link's uh, Adventure, uh, Adventure Link, Zelda Two. No, what, what's it called? I'm sorry, it's the it's the Link game. Uh, Faces Link- of Evil, Wand of Gamelon, and Zelda's Adventure. Zelda's Adventure. Oh, it's Zelda's Adventure. I call it Link's Adventure. It's Zelda's oh, no. Adventure. So uh, yeah. Anyways, those are an experience, man. If you really want to hurt yourself, get the bad controllers for the CDI and play with those. Um, what are the bad like the bad controllers? The ones that for like CDR is like literally a TV remote that works. Yes, via IR. exactly. <laughs> yep, that's the one. Especially if you're in a place with high IR interference, like almost everywhere now. Yeah, great, perfect. I probably should have looked up stuff like. Uh, the uh 3do emulation like i don't know where it is i'm looking i'm looking at 3do emulation right now and i see like a couple of abandoned projects a couple of uh inactive open source projects websites shut down is the best one a closed source project like that kind of sucks phoenix closed source emulator for 3do jaguar ColecoVision master system and game gear uh Created by a longtime 3DO contributor who was unhappy with the insignificant progress of 3DO emulation. That I mean, all you need is one weird guy. <laughs> yeah, you just need one committed weirdo, and it'll happen. So these these things, I mean, there's a barrier because of a lack of interest, not because of our capabilities. I, I think some of some of what we're talking about here is. Uh, hardware failures, controller limitations, and some of it is just uh, the the who gives a fuck factor, really. Okay, I just want to say, because I don't believe this, like 3DO is just a system I assumed had emulator problems because like a lot of systems in like the weird multimedia thing don't do everything perfectly. This emulator claims to have 100% compatibility with every single game from every single region for 3DO, including like 3DO wow. magazine discs. Um, I, this is just some weird Russian website, but I'm looking at a list of every 3DO game and it says 100% compatible in green next to every single one of them. It's never mind. Uh, you know what? 3DO, 3DO yeah. is preserved for the future, everyone. Yeah. Uh, you know what? The R-Zone has also come along. I'm seeing R-Zone emulation on the Android has finally happened as well in like the last year. Fantastic. So an interesting thing is... um. Because our zone is those LCD games, they've actually uh, emulated LCD games and there's not like a way you could just dump a chip and, uh, you know, put it through an emulator. Like they have to like scan the art and like place for each stupid uh, one of those LCD cutouts of like a guy doing a karate chop is. And uh, I don't know how the logic works, if it's discrete logic on those boards or what, um, but they still have emulators for it and you can you can play them like in a web browser. And I'm sure there's like a billion electronic games that haven't been emulated or simulated like that. But in terms of just preservation, it's cool that you can go play the Vanilla Ice Tiger LCD game. And all, man, I really want to own that, by the way. Um, but yeah, all the Tiger LCDs, all I mean, we're not even talking or the, all the early 80s and late 70s LCD games that are out there that have like their own like little mini arcade housing. Think about all those that will just be lost to time. I mean, I think, you know what? Even when it comes down to those, I think it's cooler to own originals of stuff like that because 
I mean, I mean, Tyler, playing that on a computer, if, even if you play something super popular and understood, like Mattel football on a computer, it's not going to be the same as playing Mattel football and having bright LEDs burn into your eyeballs and like a shrill, shitty speaker piercing your ears. No, it's we're, but we're not saying if it's the same experience or not. We're we're not saying what's the best way to play something. Is, I is know, it, but when you're talking about like those, like even those old Coleco arcade games, I'm sure that those are emulated or simulated somewhere. But it's not the same as playing like a Super Nintendo game on your computer, which is 99% the same experience. When you do that, it's maybe like 80% the same experience. Especially if you have like a Super Nintendo shaped controller or something on there. You're yeah, saying, you yep, could this is you fine. play with a real Super Nintendo controller. I could hook my Super Nintendo up to my computer monitor through a Frame Meister and it would be 99% the same as playing an emulator. So is there any other like weird console stuff you want to cover here? I mean, besides like the Xbox and PS4 era, which were just like our 360 to PS4, which just, we aren't really emulating yet. So like, I'm not going to say that's lost the time, but we're just not there yet. I'm sure in 20 years, that looks a lot different. Yeah. I mean, I just don't know what it's going to be because those consoles are so much like computers now, like, because you just need hardware. That's so much more powerful than the system that you're emulating to uh, emulate. Like, I, you know, I guess, I mean, look at, look at computers now. Like my first computer had less Ram than my phone by a lot. So hold on. When was the, so Nesticle was the first NES emulator, right? When did that first come out? Um, Um, I'm sure you don't know. It came out in 1997. So technically that is three years after the NES died. Three years after the PS5 dies, are we going to have a PS5 emulator? Do we have a PS5 emulator? Is that a thing? That would be crazy. Maybe I'm I mean, wrong. It, oh, my God. There de- is a PS5 emulator. <laughs> there you go. Holy shit. Damn. All right. Never mind. People are, are fucking around with computers, and they're all really smart. What do I know? There's a lot of people in the world, and a lot of them are weird. Um, um, I'm really It's like, I don't think about emulating any of these platforms because it just makes so much more sense to go out and buy a, a PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, whatever. Um, but I guess it'll be really interesting, uh, how good these emulators are in the future. Cause I know like switch emulators have always already been like better than switch. Like I think breath of the wild wild performance is terrible, but if you throw it in an emulator, you can apparently play it at like 4k 60 FPS. Yeah. It's crazy how good it looks. Uh, if you've seen, if you haven't seen that, go, go look at it. You're just like, wow, it, it changes it a lot. But speaking of like things like um, these modern era consoles, but what about the Wii U? Is is the Wii U like the games that require the pad? Is that like how are we going to be able to emulate these? How are we doing this without some like without Nintendo making a peripheral? Like what are we doing here? Yeah, like, I mean, I, I guess think... you can your monitor to screen it, but like, does that work? No, Especially I think the, the same thing with aspect? DS. Like, I'm sure you could you could use an iPad or you could use a mouse, but it's not going to be the same as as using a DS and drawing directly on the screen with a stylus. So I think there is some element of like Wii U, as small and questionably significant as it is, maybe one of the more interesting uh, sets to collect from a uh, who's going to be able to play this in the future the right way kind of sense especially the the originals are going to be there by the way hey we use surprisingly collectible surprisingly collectible johnny you know the funny thing as we're as we're just talking about this topic i'm like 
thinking about Wii U games and like, oh, Breath of the Wild, that has like extra functionality on the Wii U. Nope, they turned off the Wii U gamepad for Breath of the Wild, so it wasn't better than Switch. Ugh. Yep. So Yeah, it was like, it was, you were going to have your bag like that you could see. That was going to be a good experience. I'm sad it's gone. Just the map, I don't know, like, oh, it would have been, it would have been great. I might have, pl- no, it, it played, it, the frame rate was a little bit worse on, P- on Wii U, so I would have still played the Switch. I really liked the idea of having that second screen in my hand and like having your item bag and not having to stop the game all the time to like jump into your bag and like switch equipment and stuff. That was, that was going to be great. Uh, a revolutionary idea that will never, uh, never be a thing. I don't, it's the same thing. Looking down at a screen doesn't take at like that. Isn't that much shorter than pressing the pause button. Just make, get rid of the pause button uh, animation. Just make the screen pop up right there. Why do we have to play a little blue and then have the screen like fade in from the bottom? Don't waste one second of my time. Just make it show up. Yep. Or allow me to put it on the screen permanently. Anyways, uh, let's go to the real limitation. So this was kind of like worse experience. Like I I feel like all the console stuff is you're not getting the exact same experience and we'll get there with peripherals or with uh, like handhelds too because I... I think that that's the same thing, but let's talk about where like true limitations lie uh, and peripherals. Cause sometimes if a, if a controller is made for a specific game without that controller, is it ever going to be the same? Yeah. And I, I think the, the shining example of this is steel battalion for all the reasons we've kind of already mentioned Xbox hardware, not the best in terms of emulation. It uses a very specific controller that there isn't really a perfect analog for. And if you're going to say like, oh, you could just hook up multiple joysticks, like the right joystick in Steel Battalion is only for left, right movement. It's not a two axis joystick. There's all kinds of like weird specific things about Steel Battalion. Um and like the 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 hardware kind of sucks. Like you could break those controllers; they're just like shitty plastic. They're not well made controllers. Um, no, and they're also big and clunky. And like I'm sure people just got rid of them, or they're just rotting yeah. in garages, dying. But if you don't have a Steel Battalion controller, there is no reasonable way you can play Steel Battalion. And I mean, you can uh, play it without the controller, right? No. What? No? There's like not enough buttons no. on the Xbox gamepad to play Steel Battalion. <laughs> You got to use like three pedals and and two joysticks and all these toggle switches. There's make no sure interface the g- to control any of that in the game. You just got to make use sure the you get the good one. Yeah, make sure you get the good controller, the one with the blue buttons. Uh, the good controller is the one with the green buttons. By the way, the good controller no. is the one with the white buttons. It was used in one press image. There's probably one copy of it. They made like one for this photo shoot. Oh, I would die for that controller. Just, it probably doesn't <laughs> well, even work. It's probably just an empty shell with white buttons. I want it so bad. Yeah, they probably just used ones they they like pulled it off the arcade machine they had sitting in their office so they could get it working. Tyler, what I really want to know about now is rhythm games because these to me epitomize. You said still battalion, but rhythm games really seem like I know you can emulate. Yeah, you can probably take those controllers and plug them into your PC and have it work. But what do you do with these rhythm games? And I'm talking games like uh, what what is uh, what's the DJ game that I can't remember? DJ uh, Hero. DJ Hero, all the DDR games that ever were, every single dance pad game that was created in any fashion, Donkey Konga, 
rock band guitar hero what what's going on with these i also feel like garage band or garage band, rock band and, and guitar hero for some reason have kind of been like lost to time and then there's like not a rhythm game but like the chord games that came out like with the synthesizer attachments and then which like i said not a rhythm game but all the other like learn to play guitar games that required like the guitar hero guitar or a special fancy guitar what what happens here I mean, I think when you have an ultra-specific controller like DJ Hero, it kind of falls into the same thing as Steel Battalion. If you don't have that controller, you can't play that game. And I'm pretty sure you can play DJ Hero on a controller, but, like, what are you doing if you're playing DJ Hero on a controller? Uh, for I mean, you some can play Guitar this- Hero with a controller, too, but you shouldn't. Yeah, I actually, I remember playing Guitar Hero with a controller because I found playing the guitar was uncomfortable because I was used to playing uh, things like pop and music and Dance Dance Revolution. So the idea of holding a, a guitar, having to move my fingers, ridiculous, Johnny. Um, but I think some of these aren't as bad because so something like Guitar Hero and Rock Band, it kind of falls into the same pitfalls of just preserving PS2, PS3 games in general. But the peripherals, the original peripherals, yes, there are quote unquote so many of them, even if there are a billion of them. Um, but it, it has become a genre now. You can go on Amazon and buy a guitar probably. And if you can't, you could buy, uh, for the drums, you could buy a real electronic drum kit. And there are projects that will let you hook those up to your consoles. Cause I, I mean, I play, I play rock band with an electronic drum kit. Um, and I'm sure there's some open source thing on GitHub that will let me hook that up to a PS3. I just have a commercial product that does it. Um, so I don't think things like having guitars and drums, uh, are going to be a problem in the future. And for the genre in general, playing the specific game, I get, you know, historical research purposes, it's important to have the real thing. A lot of rhythm game players actually play simulators. So they're basically, basically the same thing as an emulator. Uh, if you know what step mania is, that's a great example. No, no idea what step mania is. Nope. Okay, no Step Mania idea. is basically a uh, an open source version of DDR for uh, Windows. So you go on websites, you could download every song you've ever heard in your life, and someone has made a DDR chart for that song. And you can go load this up on your computer. You could skin it up. It looks exactly the same as DDR, and you could basically just play DDR with whatever song you want. And in some sense, that's more important than uh, being able to play DDR Extreme on a PS2 if you could play every song ever made. Yeah, but that's but that's not that's not the DDR game. That that's a rec- that's something else. That's not the game. That's just taking advantage of a peripheral and using it for something else. Sure. I mean, I agree. Uh, but like the most original experience you could have, let's just say DDR Extreme, because that's what I brought up would be playing DDR Extreme either on an arcade cabinet or the shitty dance pad bundle that you bought on PS2. But in my my local friend group DDR scene, no one was playing on that shitty PS2 pad. Everyone had uh, like a Red Octane pad or a Cobalt Flux or one of these fancy third-party pa- uh, pads. And a lot of... And there are still companies making stuff like that. So the original hardware wasn't always the original experience to begin with. Okay, so you think in general these kind of uh, these kind of games are safe? I mean, I think so because I what wouldn't a- want to play DDR on an original soft DDR pad. 
Uh, I think there are not only are there better options, but there are modern options. You can go on Amazon and buy something new that lets you still play that game. Whereas DJ Hero and Steel Battalion will be shut off to you forever if you can't get the original peripheral. Okay, not a rhythm game. Uh, well, I kind of a rhythm game. Uh, Drop Mix. How how's that? How you feeling on Drop Mix? I'm feeling pretty welcomed to Drop Mix, honestly. Oh, um, welcome also, to Drop I don't mix. know what Drop Mix is, and I would not be surprised if someone reverse engineered the cards. Are they just NFC cards? I believe so. Do you want to explain what Drop Mix is? So Drop Mix is, is a yeah. So Drop Mix was this thing that was out for like three minutes. Um, that got had some popularity and I'm not even saying it was bad, but you could, you bought these cards and there was like this table or this setup where you put the cards in and you could make your own beats over songs or create your own songs. And the cards had different rhythms and stuff. So you created this combination of cards to create your own mix and then you dropped it. And then, uh, you know, your friends could hear your sick beats. Isn't it? I thought it was a game. Is it just, yeah. I mean, it's a game, but it's also that. So there's also, there's a gamified version. I have not played it. I've only seen a couple of demos because I don't want to be a DJ or play DJ games. That is just not a life experience I'm looking for. No judgment on DJs out there, but that's just, that's not what I'm here for. Also, to be clear, this is a game you buy booster packs for. Yeah, um, they are. I'm not sure if they were blind bags or not. I, I have a feeling they were blind bags. Um, oh, it, maybe it's like it maybe just bought like expansion packs. All right. Um, this was made by uh, Harmonix, who who made uh, Rock Band. That's why we're talking about it. Um, yep. Instead of focusing on ways to make Rock Band better, they were like, "Welcome to Drop Mix." It had the most annoying, like it was a sound or a motion sensor. You'd walk by and it would like scream at you, whatever aisle it was in. It was just really unpleasant. Uh, you know what? 6.8 out of 10 on Board Game Geek and 4.5 stars on Amazon. That's pretty impressive uh, for whatever drop mix is, for what sounds like a dumb gimmick. Yeah. Anyways, drop mix and not a rhythm game, but I'm going to bring it up. Uh, how do you feel about Eye of Judgment for the PS3? Ooh, okay. Um, See, that's interesting. When you talk about any card game, the the way to preserve it is to print off the cards and play it yourself. And that's always been an option with eye of judgment. Literally since it came out, if you had a nice printer, you could just print up all the eye of judgment cards. And if you don't know, eye of judgment is a card game on the PS3 that uses the PlayStation eye webcam and you point it down at the play field and you play physical cards, but you could also just play with printout cards because the PS3 is not a cop. Yeah, I think I don't think there's any preservation issue there because almost definitely you could go on some sketchy website and download every single card if you really wanted to play that. Actually, honestly, I think you can go on eBay and buy enough new old stock packs to just get every card because there's a lot of leftover Eye of Judgment stock. I want to see your Eye of Judgment. Like, I'm into it. Show me your Eye of Judgment. Like, DM me. Do you want? Show me those Eye of Judgment. <laughs> Johnny, do you want to see my Eye of Judgment collection? Do you have an Eye of Judgment collection? I bought a PS3 for Eye of Judgment. I was like deep into one of my Magic the Gathering phases and I saw Eye of Judgment and I'm like, oh my God, the future is here. Video games plus collectible card games. Like, get, remember, we're talking, what was this, 15 years ago? There was no Hearthstone. Uh, like this looked like, oh my God, I could play card games on my console with real cards, which means it's a real card game, not a stupid fake card game. 
And I literally, I put it in, I played through the tutorial. It comes with like a starter pack and a booster pack. I played like 15 minutes and then I didn't even open the booster pack. I'm like, I'm never playing this game. Am I? This game sucks. <laughs> you were just out that quick. Oh, huh? I bought a PS3 for it. It was that and pain. The game where you fling a guy into like buildings and, and try to get score and hurt him. Uh, those were my killer PS3 apps. Dumb reason to buy so, a PS3, but you know what? I think Metal Gear Solid 4 and Uncharted 2 came out a year later, so it worked out. Yeah, PS3 wound up being an awesome system. But, yeah. uh, like, if you find the starter pack for Eye of Judgment, the bundle, it comes with the camera, it comes with, like, I think a booster or just the starter and the game, and it's in a giant blister. It's awful. Like, why didn't you just put this in a box? And it's not one of those, like, friendly blisters you can kind of open. It's one of those ones that, like, the plastic is so sharp, it's going to stab you the minute you cut it. It's awful. I just, uh, I, I hate the packaging so much for that thing. It just screams, don't collect me. It would probably be pretty cool if it came in a big box. Yeah. Uh, you know, in Europe, it came in a box, right? Are you serious? Well, I'm not going to yeah, buy a Europe, European game. I've got standards. And in European, the European game also came with a cloth mat. I think the US only got a paper mat. Um, here's a, there's a listing. You could buy any Eye of Judgment card. Uncommon, common, or rare. You pick... They have every card in stock but one, and the highest price is $2.49. Awesome. Let's let's get those. Oh, man, what here's, is this? Man, there's... 2007 Eye of Judgment bulk starter deck case, 100 decks, $23? He has 10 available, 22 sold? Let's get some Eye of Judgment starters. Well, let's... Man, uh, I know what the Discord is doing for its Christmas. Eye of Judgment tournament. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Build anyway, your best decks. Come I at me. I think for a multitude of reasons, Eye of Judgment is not going to be a preservation problem. Maybe shouldn't be a game you target for uh, for its interesting non-emulatability. Yeah, but you can print those cards. But actually having the physical cards, yeah, there's still a lot. But eventually that will go away. Eventually there will be a point like we're still pretty close to it. But 20 years, do you think that's still a thing? I'm not just talking about printing, but like actually uh containing and owning the physical artifact okay so from the, the same perspective the that we're approaching this episode of like kind of missing out on on these ephemeral things that could eventually theoretically disappear into the dust and you'll want to own the physical things in terms of the ps3 library yes Eye of Judgment would be towards the top of things that I would say, like, would be ideal to own in an environment where you you can't emulate this kind of thing. But that's not the only aspect of collecting games. I still think that the fact that this is just a failure pile of garbage comes into play, and I would not target Eye of Judgment for this reason at all, and I would go get something much more collectible for any other reason. Well, I mean, along the same lines, though, what about Beatles Rock Band? Because that's a very specific, like, there's a specific kit that comes with Beatles Rock Band, the special edition, at least. Like, how do you feel about that? Because that's already expensive. It's got a Beatles name on it. So people are collecting it because Beatles. And also some people just wanted Rock Band, and that was a excellent entry for them. But do you think, like, that specific pack is something you would target? I think the collectability from that comes from it being the Beatles and from being uncommon. Um, I don't think it's from the fact that, oh, I'm never going to be able to play Beatles rock band again. But I mean, that this the hardware to that kit is specific. And we know those guitars fail. 
Like all all those things fail, and they are they are objects that are physically manipulated in a way that is sometimes hard, and by people who are aren't necessarily careful. And a lot of people are drinking while these they're playing these games. Do you think there there's a risk there because of uh, what's going on with? I the mean, you could fix those controllers. You could mod them. I I've got my Beatles rock band guitar, Johnny, and I've got it modded, and it's tricked out, and it's awesome. Um. I don't see it as as being more scarce or exciting than any other game that has a peripheral, honestly. Because uh, I bought Beatles Rock Band and I immediately like I took the microphones, like I got a microphone, I got a drum kit, like I don't need any of this shit. I threw out the box. Do not regret it. It's way too big. Yeah, it's just another another game with peripherals, and there's there's other peripherals that you could use to I play. Know, but it if you I'm saying to. the peripherals are the collectible part. I mean, on, the box is probably the collectible part because I was a pretty serious game collector when I bought that and I still threw out the box. Yeah, I mean, the, and the Rock Band, if you bought the whole kit, those boxes were enormous. Like, you could put a body in them. Uh, Yeah, easily. Yeah. So, I not bet, that I'm recommending that, but mm, you could. You know, I, I've seen VGA-graded Steel Battalions. Like, I've, I've purchased a new Steel Battalion after it's been long off the market in my life, and I've opened it. Um, I've, I don't think I've ever seen a VGA-graded rock band, Johnny. Complete, like, like a game, talk about a game, it was like, it was the hottest shit for like two years. Uh, it's pretty important game in the rhythm game genre. It expanded on Guitar Hero a hell of a lot, made it very popular in the West. Uh, where are the the VGA graded first print rock bands? I, Come I on, guys! Know. What this should be a ten thousand dollar game? Who's got a VGA ninety of that? I want to see someone who kept that in mint condition for even fifteen years. Show us, show us what you got. Okay, uh, yeah, that's the culmination of this episode. Where? Why don't you have a sealed first edition rock band? Come on, guys! But right. There could be tons of overstock. I mean, that game was so popular. Who fucking knows? <laughs> Well, let me ask. I'm going further down the line in this peripherals. Uh, yeah. The Tony Hawk games that came with, like, Tony Hawk Ride with the skateboard. Sure. I mean, it goes into the same category of DJ no, no, Hero. No. Like, I'm sure maybe you could play some of those with controllers, but you the whole point of the game is to play with uh, the fancy peripherals. So if you don't have the peripheral, you can't play it. I okay. think a lot of those... So, yes, there is some interest to that. I think the size of the skateboard outweighs the ability to play the game meaning i am interested in games that are hard to play unless you own the game and i am not interested in games that are physically large and my not wanting to own a physically large game outweighs my interest in being able to play a game that's hard to play okay now let's move on to something that's peripheral but uh not not as big. Let's talk about Toys to Life. We already kind of talked about some e-reader cards and stuff. Um, like we touched briefly on it. But what about like Amiibos and things things that are unlocked via Amiibos? Uh, leg- like Lego Dimensions? Whole levels are locked in Lego Dimensions figures. Well, in the bases anyways. Uh, yeah, I think it's, it's interesting because obviously uh, a lot of these use NFC technology. I haven't looked super deep into it, but I know there are... NFC scanners and sort of NFC emulators where you can get like this action replay thing. I'm sure there's other things and you can load up any NFC thing you want. So you could say, I have Lego Dimensions Supergirl. I'm going to put it on my whatever the base is called the portal. And then she shows up in my game. 
So you technically don't need to own the Lego Dimensions figures uh, to play like Lego Dimensions. I'm just going to say that because I know it's the one we've both played the most. But again, I maybe that's not the full experience. I feel like there is the physical element of Lego Dimensions because the game has you build Legos. When you modify a vehicle, it has you physically change things about that vehicle sometimes. And Legos, so, I mean, like Legos more unique than, say, an Amiibo or the Skylanders or Disney Infinity in the fact that you could lose those pieces. Yeah, you can go buy those pieces again, but like Legos and houses and like kids and stuff, they fall, they shatter. You just lose a brick here. Like uh, th there's some amount of, uh, you know, loss that's going to happen to these, but the bricks aren't particularly unique. You can, you can get bricks pretty much anywhere, but there are un some unique pieces in there. So. Yeah, I think, I mean, Lego dimensions, I think is the most interesting just because there is the, also the playing with Legos aspect of it. And I mean, yeah, you could play with Disney infinity figures or whatever, but. But fucking whatever, Disney Infinity. I mean, the figures, they also had the discs. Like, the Disney Infinity thing, if you've never played it, had, like, you put a figure on the left, and on the center, there was, like, a world thing, another NFC thing that you put down there, and then there was, like, accessory discs, and you could... There was a lot of weird stuff going on with the Infinity games. I mean, I think, uh, like, even Skylanders, like, Skylanders uh, Superchargers, you get, like, a car, and then you put the Skylanders in the car, or, like, Trap Team. I think you combined multiple things that, like, slotted into each other. I don't know. They were, like, those little crystals in Trap Team, right? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I... Like, yes, you will get an experience if you are playing with just generic NFC discs that tell the game, oh, I have this figure on the platform right now. But, okay, if you were seven years old doing that, I think, yes, there would be some fun to the sense like, okay, I have everything unlocked, but it would definitely not be as fun as being in a room with every Skylanders figure ever. So if it's not as fun to play like that, I think it's not getting the full experience of the game. Well, I, I also think as a collectible, like the game, the Skylanders Giants or Trap Team game, preserved, easy to play. But like the actual toys, there's probably so many. Uh, and the same with like Lego. But I, I think the collectability, if you're going to find it, is in is in the in the toys to life items themselves not the game it's in all of the little accessories and all the weird stuff and did did anyone keep it sealed and how are you going to find that um and that's was kind of my point on the guitar hero stuff i, I think those things are the collectible aspect of these games uh probably like pretty well preserved but it's definitely not exp an experience you can just generate by an emulator uh as well as you would like uh, definitely. Uh, it kind of goes back to the same thing of like, yes, the if I was going to play Skylanders, the way to do it is obviously to get a bunch of Skylanders and play it. But at the same time, like, goddamn, I do not want to own a bunch of Skylanders. It's not great. Let me tell I you. I could... I could just see like like one week after I start playing Skylanders, I will have just this giant tub of Skylanders in my house and I'll just never get rid of it. And they'll just be with me until I throw them out one day. Literally, my wife decided she wanted Skylanders, and she like, and there's four tubs, uh, not not big ones, but like small ones for the figures to fit in, like no. without bouncing around, just sitting out in my garage. They're like in these craft tubs. They're they're not big. They're like I don't know, twelve by like four by twelve, um, like not tiny, but not not at least a full tub. And 
like all my Lego ones, like I have a box of all the ones I never opened because I was like, I've got my team here. Um, so I'm good until I get to new levels. But all the other ones were like, I had a special tray that they all sat in so I could like get them on the portal. The, I mean, we've talked about this, like the whole setup extension cord for my portal so it could be by my chair. So, and then my little tray full of all my most common figures and vehicles to like switch in and out quickly. What a process. Like, yeah, maybe that's creating the experience they wanted, but that wasn't a great experience either. I mean, I, you probably had to be nine years old, but you know what? I, I kind of got Lego Dimensions and it was also kind of a pain in the ass. So <laughs> I I like Lego Dimensions. I, 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 I would enjoy actually playing it where you could just have all the stuff unlocked because like what an interesting product. I, I kind of like the Lego <sighs> games. They're good. They're good for mindless. I don't need to think about what I'm doing. And like you get some unique experiences. The portal game, like, did you ever play the portal level? Uh yeah, we played through the portal thing. Yeah. That was cool. That was like really well done. So I'm I'm sad that people aren't gonna get to experience that. I mean, I bet Lego Dimensions figures will be cheap enough to buy. I mean, you will probably like if you want the experience, you'll need to buy them, but yeah, you know, I bet they'll be cheap for the foreseeable future it'll be really interesting if in like 20 years like this stuff is actually like collectible collectible like there are kids nostalgic about skylanders and the way we think about like i don't know nes monster in my pocket there are people going after like weird skylanders stuff like i just i can't imagine it but i know nostalgia is a weird thing well i also think i mean there's the other thing that legos are a collectible entity unto themselves right like that's real. So, you know, people are going to be collecting. There's lots of unique minifigures in there. So eventually the supply will run out and Lego people are hoarders and they just break things down for parts. So eventually, like, I, I think it'll be a pain in the ass to get these things. That I mean, but there is a lot. Interested to see what happens. I literally, all of my Lego dimension stuff is in my living room on display uh, above my like Blu-ray shelf. Because I just don't know what to do with it. I, I feel too bad throwing it in a bin because they're Legos. They're going to break apart because I'm not going to take good care of a bin of Legos. So I don't want to mix up all the discs. I'm never going to play Lego Dimensions again in my life. 100% guarantee it. But I don't want to mix up all my discs and stuff. Okay. So I, I just wanted to see if anything on Lego Dimensions sold for anything. And there's lots of lots and stuff. But like the Supergirl, which was an exclusive to, I think, the PS4 release. Um what like it came in a special box like after it was already it was there. yeah it was like a late release version yep. of the game you had to buy i was considering buying another copy of lego dimensions just to get super that's what well, i bought i bought it because i was sick of the wii u version i've said that and i was like fine i'll go over to ps4 and there's a exclusive minifigure i'm in i'm out of here but uh anyways uh supergirl sold for 130 dollars a sonic an unopened Sonic pack sold for 120, and that was with 18 bids. Yeah, the Sonic ones are going for like 100. Back to the Future packs going for like some money. So some of this stuff this is already. Set? Someone bought a. It says PS4 complete set, including Comic Con exclusives, and went for a thousand dollars. I wonder what it's got all the boxes and everything. Comic Con exclusive. I wonder if that was there was Green Arrow, which I think was um, Comic Con exclusive. It is crazy how you're saying these things, and I, like, remember this happening. Was I, like, following LEGO Dimension stuff? Oh, my God. I mean, you were talking to me. I think we've been talking long enough now that, uh, <laughs> that that's a thing. Yeah, it's Green Arrow. It's in yeah. a little baggie. Yep, he's in a poly bag. 
That's uh, that's what that's called. Supergirl also in a poly bag. All right, Johnny. Uh, man, we'll check back in in Lego Dimensions in ten years. At this rate, we'll probably be doing Collector's Quest ten years from now. <laughs> we'll see if anyone cares about this. Stuff. I mean, you say that that sounds crazy, but we're at like what seven years or whatever, and you're just yeah. like, oh, I guess. I guess we could be here for 10 years and people are like, remake those 2022 episodes or talk about the stuff you talked about in 2020 during the pandemic. Now that you've got more perspective, PS5 emulation is so good. Now you guys are idiots. Yeah. <laughs> I'm playing God of War at uh, 700 FPS now in my VR brain goggles. Yeah. I don't even need to do anything. I just put a chip in. No big deal. So it's weird, um, yeah. Supergirl, the most expensive fi figure. The Green Arrow, not that expensive, even though he was the Comic-Con exclusive. And I think when he came out, he was worth quite a bit more. You can still get one for like 30 bucks, 20, 20 bucks. So, in that range. Because who cares anymore? I mean, if that's if you're going to get one, get the one in the exclusive poly bag. Like sure. Supergirl and that one are it. I guess, though, also Back to the Future and, <laughs> you know... um, Sonic our thing because Sonic I guess I don't know yeah and the Simpsons has got like literally every popular franchise ever. so many good Ghostbusters Harry Potter like Ninjago if you're into that stuff I'm not but there is so much stuff man some of the Simpsons packs are going for money guys like the dimensions it's like it's pretty cool in the sense of like oh Sonic's there's like a Sonic Lego game kind of for just like a couple levels. There's a portal one. There's a Simpsons one. But like, I don't think it's as good as any legitimate Lego game. So we're we're hyping it up because we played it a lot. But, you know, just go play like Lego Star Wars or something is what yeah. I would say. Personally, I don't think Lego Dimensions was worth the investment. It was it was surely a ride, but it wasn't like. I got a lot more personally out of playing like Lego Star Wars complete on the Wii or whatever I ended up playing that on. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, I mean the, the new, if you're going to, if you're looking for a Lego experience and Star Wars, I think the new Lego uh, Star Wars game comes out like next month. So maybe look at that. All right, Johnny, I just want to talk about one more minor category yeah. of uh, games. Cause I can relate it back to something we've already talked about. Okay. I don't know how collectible this stuff will be. It's more of a preservation problem that I don't know what we can do about it as collectors. Uh, uh, digital yeah. games that will literally be lost to time or have already been lost to time. Uh, there's stuff that there's only so much you could do. There's nothing you can collect. Live services, stuff, something like Fortnite. There's a new season of Fortnite. However often there's a new season of Fortnite. If you really loved season six of Fortnite, there's a good chance you will never get to play that exact thing ever again. Very likely there will be a private server set up where there is like some version of Fortnite will live forever. It's just too popular. People will figure out how to keep playing Fortnite. Uh, but, you know, they're they're just like weird eras of games that just do not exist anymore. Um and like MMOs plays right into that. And I'm sure you could find any wow private server to whatever specifications you have. Uh, but can, but there's, I'm sure there's MMOs that have evolved over time and you can no longer play that specific version of that MMO that you love, but you can't collect that Johnny. No, nope. what I want to talk about is something that was posted in the discord a few weeks ago. It was a short documentary on Japanese cell phone games, not smartphone games, cell phone games. It was, people who were preserving Java cell phone games and they were doing it digitally, but,
but this is something that you could technically physically collect. Uh, and by collect, I mean, you could buy old cell phones. You mean, do you think there's any weirdo out there buying like old Nokia's so they could play Snake <laughs> or have the earliest version <laughs> of Snake? Like what kind of madman would be doing that? Do you John, think these people I have exist? one and it's Snake and it's not a download game. It's built in. So it's even more collectible because it's not just something You're that I could have loaded up weirdo. on my phone. It, that's the thing. So, what is um, wrong with you? Get an IBM Simon. Does it have like a Tetris game on it? I think IBM Simon might have the first mobile game or there's like like the Hog and Nut 2000 Ta- something. There's like weird old cell phone. Guys, get into weird old cell phones. Yeah, so you could, there is a way to physically collect this, but I guess uh, good taste would be the barrier. <laughs> Common sense being a barrier so, to this. Yes. the There are like big name games on Japanese cell phones, like Persona games and whatever, like multiple Persona games, I think. And obviously those are ones that have been dumped. There's Mario um, games, Animal Crossing. Really? Pic- that Pikmin game. Uh, yeah. Like there's all this weird stuff. Um, but for the ones that haven't been dumped, like the best way for them to get it is to, well, this is a terrible way. I don't think this is the best way actually, but a way that you could get it is to just start buying up cell phones and hope that they have the game loaded on them already, um, which is obviously very cost intensive. Uh, but if I ever wanted to own the the one Java game I remember playing on my own Verizon flip phone, uh, Elder Scrolls Oblivion, uh, for Java flip phone, uh, let me tell you, it's basically the worst game ever made. At least compared to what your expectations would be for a game called Elder Scrolls Oblivion. The only way I could own that is to literally have a cell phone of someone who bought that uh, and had it loaded on their phone. Um, so I don't know. Is that an interesting thing to collect? I don't know. It would probably be easy to just take that digital data and put it on the phone. But I don't know, Johnny. It's, uh, it's something I think about sometimes. I mean, I, I think just there's no good way to collect this stuff. And like, you could go into all the other download services, all the digital stores that have stuff like Castlevania rebirth until it gets its eventual print somewhere. All these kinds of things are going to be lost time, but there's not a great way to collect them. Like the idea of buying someone's Wii account is like, I got it. Get a a PlayStation with PT loaded up on it. Johnny did it. There's definitely no way you could like mod that into it somehow. Right. Right. Um, anyways, what what else do you have to say about this? I mean, there's like one last thing um, that you kind of have on those proto- prototypes. Prototypes, prototypes if you, you can- have one, you could have it, and no one else can have it. <laughs> and like, unless you dump it, there's really nothing. So if you die and it, or it breaks or something, if you didn't dump it, it is just going to be lost to time. Yep. Great. So um, thanks for not yeah. dumping it, guys. Yeah, uh, yeah. You, all you champions out there for the finances. No, I, I don't care. Like. I, I'm not of the mind that people have to dump stuff. I'm like, if you bought a prototype and you're you invested, I mean, that's that's capitalism, and uh, you know yeah, that's your right. I don't love the decision, to be clear, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fight people on that decision. All right, Anyways, I'm gonna sick the game preservation people on you, Johnny. Uh, that sounds like you have some undumped prototypes that you're you're trying to keep the value up on. I, I only had one prototype that I really ever was like holding, and I traded it. So. Um, and that was, I uh, don't, I'm sure I have, I, I've got like some disc prototypes. No, oh, yeah, I, I do have like a weird Sonic disc prototype for the Saturn. I don't, I don't even, I don't think I have a cartridge prototype of any kind. 
you know what I really need is Stefan's fucking Ninja Gaiden 3, because that would be the one to have, Johnny. Yeah, well, and I need the Final Fantasy, because that would be the one that I well, care about. But, <laughs> yes. but fuck us, uh, they're locked They're locked in a Stefan-sized vault. Um, I mean, to be fair uh, to my want, I feel like it is a lot more realistic to want a Ninja Gaiden 3 that has literally one frame of difference that I can find from the retail game to a Final Fantasy prototype that everyone else on planet Earth would want because it's a different translation or something. I know. Uh, I'm I'm not talking about the level, but I'm just like a... Like, of oh, yeah. types I'd want, just like one of my favorite NES games as a kid, one of like my important childhood games oh, is yeah. one that you I know, would Oh, yeah. You know, I guess it would be good to have Ocarina of Time or Super Mario 64, you know. Oh, you just... Oh, <laughs> Zelda. Just the, the original Zelda. No big deal. Metroid. No one cares. And I would like... Uh, no one cares about Metroid. Jimmy. Yeah. Me- I don't know why, but no oh, one sorry. cares about Metroid. Uh, I meant to say uh, Super Mario Brothers 3. Thank you. Yes. Sorry. Right. Okay. Anyways, I I think that's all we have room to talk about. This was just more of an idea concept of to have you, our listeners, think a little bit about if you're collecting and you see an opportunity and you're like trying to figure out, is this collectible or not? Maybe weird games that won't be well emulated or are just outside the norm for whatever reason uh, is an avenue you could take. So Apple Pippin, no emulator. You did What's it. going on? Who's no. preserving the Pippin games? No one. You buy I, all, I literally, I know nothing about the Pippin. Buy your I don't LCD know what a Pippin game now. looks like. So, <laughs> having said all that, Tyler, anything else you want to add there, or can we wrap it up? Let's wrap it up, Johnny. Okay, did it. Boom. Tyler, do you have a collector's question for us? <laughs> you know I don't. All right, well, it doesn't matter, because you get to say, yeah, Johnny, I do. Magic of editing, here it comes. This is your chance. Okay, so, yes, if you don't know, we have a Patreon, um, which you can join, and what you get from joining at the $2 level, uh, there's a $4 level, a $6 level. $2 level, and any level above that gets you onto our Discord, probably the best thing, because we got a bunch of awesome people who talk about great stuff. It's a great place to be, a great place to hang out. I swear to you, it is worth it. Um... But if you want to come in the $4 level, you get our After Dark episodes, bonus content. And if you come in at the $6 level, not recommended, you get access to a special room and you get some other perks like you can vote on some episodes. We're doing some other things in there. And eventually you will get to watch Pirates of Dark Water and uh, discuss it with us if you want. So anyways, you can do that on patreon.com slash collectorsquest.com. Like I said, for as little as two, as much as six. But four is your sweet spot. The plug's too long. Tom Nook asks, what's your weirdest, strangest, or wildest collecting-related story, Johnny? Hold on. I want to make it clear. It was only long because I was trying to buy you time. I was trying to think oh, of things no, to I've, say. Oh, no, I've been ready. Oh, you should have um, just interjected. Oh, I hate Patreon plugs. No one likes them. No I one know. wants to hear that shit. I They're know. They're just here for free background noise, Johnny, which is I, why I'm at every other podcast I listen to. I like. I try to like. Why don't we don't abuse people with it? We don't hit them. I know we don't. Some episodes we even forget. It's amazing. Every time we get a new Patreon, I'm like, why? <laughs> why? Our Discord is excellent. Why? Why do you disparage it? Our Discord is excellent. I'm not know disparaging this. it. Anyways, g- get read me Tom Nook's question again. Sorry, Tom. What's your weirdest, strangest, or wildest collecting related story, Johnny? Um, mine well, is going to be the same as yours because my weirdest collecting story is that time that you almost died while like picking up a game at some sketchy store. 
Uh, well, that was the weird one in Palmdale that I went with Stefan. Yes. Um, and Lancaster. But uh, like also when I got my sealed mountain bike uh, racer, um, Exertainment, you know, the combo for Super Nintendo. When I got that, I went into like a weird parking garage in downtown LA and like it can't like we met in a dark corner and it came out of a gym bag and like that was kind of strange. But I also did a really sketchy deal for a bunch of games. And this is early when I was collecting, I'm talking like 2005, 2004. And it's probably the best collecting decision I ever made was to go meet this sketchy guy in a shitty apartment in a bad part of uh, not my town, but of a different town. And like, I had to go into his apartment. We had to like drive to a bank, but it was, it was real rundown, but I got like every good Dreamcast game there. And I like, I don't know, I got like a couple hundred games and I paid a couple hundred dollars and uh, it's definitely, uh, you know, worth a lot more than what I, I paid there. But it was like, it was definitely like in a drug den for sure is where I bought this. Uh, yeah, I, re- I remember that. That's another uh, story that comes to my mind. I don't have any weird stories because I try to interact with people as little as possible. Strange stories. I don't know. I might have to get back to you on that one. Yeah, there. I mean, there's uh, there's other Craigslist deals. There's, there's a lot of weird stuff. Uh, you know, I... Back in the day when I was younger, I was putting myself out there for games. When you would say I was hustling, when I was grinding every day. Okay, you know what? Every day, grind every night. You know, that that lifestyle. You said Craigslist and it triggered something that just made me really uncomfortable. So it was a a Gunstar Heroes complete in box. It was listed for like 40 bucks or something, which was underpriced even for the time, which this was, I don't know, five years ago, 10 years ago. Who knows? Um, I had to drive out to this guy's house and I got he told me to come to his house and he was still at work uh, when he told me to show up. So I'm just literally standing outside this guy's house and I don't know what he looks like because I'm just like emailing this guy and then his roommate comes home. I try to get his attention because I'm 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 like on the sidewalk. I'm not like in front of the door. I'm like kind of just like waving at him, like saying like, "Hey, are you the guy?" He ignores me and goes into the house. And I don't know. This was near Raleigh, the city, so I don't know if there's just like crazy people there. And the best thing to do is ignore them. So I just like keep texting this guy. I'm like, "All right, what's going on? I've been waiting here for 30 minutes. This is getting kind of weird." So I end up waiting like I don't know 45 minutes. Which, to wait for a game is a long time. Ada was with me for some reason, which is even weirder. She's waiting with me for a video game. So I get into his house. It's like an hour now since I've showed up at his house. And at this point, he realizes that he underpriced the game. And I'm going to say maybe it was like $40. Maybe it was like $65. It was like $25. It wasn't like the craziest underpriced in the world. And I'm just like, I've... It's the most uncomfortable shit ever. Like I've literally, I've already wasted an hour of my life here and you're going to not, you're going to try to upcharge me for, uh, an extra 25 bucks at this point. That's crazy. Uh, but it's like, also I've got the sunk cost of like, I did not go through this weird, uncomfortable experience to not leave with my Gunstar Heroes at the end of the day. And I didn't, let's pretend it was $65. I didn't have that on me. So I had like, it's like 50 something dollars in my wallet. I, so I was like, I will literally give you all the money in my wallet. That's the best I can do. And uh, he, 
unhappily took it. I literally gave him more money than his asking price, and he was not happy with the deal. But he felt guilty enough that he had to take it, I guess. Well, fuck it that guy. It was the guy. fucking worst. <laughs> yeah, no like at that was point. happy. Yeah, if, at that point, if you're trying to upcharge me and it's like near that price on eBay, I'll just leave and go to eBay. Like, yeah, F you. Because now you've wasted my time. I'll waste yours back and we'll just, it'll be over. I am not like a Craig's, uh, Craigslist Facebook Marketplace guy. That's just like not where I look for games. But for some reason, I just had this thing. I was like, yeah, let's go. Let's see what's on the Craigslist. Oh, Gunstar Heroes, and it's a good deal. And um, <laughs> like, that's the experience I had. And yeah, so now I, I still don't go on Craigslist looking for games. It's interesting you brought up Gunstar Heroes. All right. Anyways. All caps asks misprints in video games. Are they collection centerpieces or interesting side notes and oddities? Misspellings, upside down labels, missing copy or print. Heck, I've even got a few games that were burned with completely different games from what's supposed to be on the disc. Um, I, I think they are centerpieces at, for some people. I, I think there's a certain brand of collector that really likes this stuff. Not me, though, because when I buy a game, I'm looking for the game. It, to me, it's a sideshow. It's a, just it's a side piece like, oh, interesting side note. Here, check out this oddity. But um, I, I know some people like that's what drives them. The that one off weird item. And, you know, sure, it's collectible. Maybe in some cases even worth more money. I know in like magic cards, if you get a miscut off center guards, especially for old stuff, uh, when printing problems weren't as big of an issue, that stuff goes for big money because there's a very dedicated group to that. I think video games follow a similar idea, but it's just it's just not an avenue I, I care about. Uh, I mean, so all this video games are mass produced. So usually when there's a misprint like the the masterpiece, I Final Fantasy seven misprint, there's like literally probably millions of those. So it's it's not interesting. It's just interesting in terms of like, oh, yeah, that's a variant, I guess. One I could think of that's a mass-produced misprint would be the Pokemon Blue. It says Pokemon Red in a, a paragraph on the back. I think that is particularly interesting because there's no date codes or anything on Pokemon Red or Blue. So because of that misprint, that identifies that as the first Pokemon game released in America. So I think in just using it as a, a way to identify variants, and because they're misprints, usually earlier variants, I think that's interesting. Uh, when it comes to like actual misprints, like one-off errors, I think it comes down to the same thing as cards. So if something's fucked up a little, like the the print is shifted, so like the screenshots are blurry on the back or something, I would say that makes the game less desirable probably until it's so fucked up that you can't ignore it. So go into the card analogy, like a card that's cut off center, I think is just ugly and weird. It's just got like one a side that's like super big and one side that's super thin for the bezel. But then when it gets cut so bad that you just get that sliver of another card, it becomes like the coolest shit in the fucking world. Cause you have two magic cards on one magic card, Johnny. And that's awesome. Whoa. So when you've got something that's totally fucked up, I know there's like, there's like a Gran Turismo four that was uh printed just has no insert. It's just blank. White is the cover insert. It's not blank. White. It's a printer test sheet. So it's got like those little, uh, like the red, green, not red, green, red, what is it? Magenta, cyan, yellow, and black. And that's all you see on the cover. That is so cool. Um, and also the, uh, I know there are PS2 games that have the wrong game burned to the disc. 
just because that would be basically impossible to tell without putting a disc in. So you'll, you can't find that just by browsing eBay all day, which is what I do. I think those are amazing. Those are definitely centerpieces, I think. Yeah, see, that just, it does nothing for me. It hits no spot for me. All right. All right. So, uh, we good? Questions? Shall we move on? Uh, no, we got a lot of questions. Let's do one more. Okay. Uh, we right. uh, So we're at uh, the beginning of March, and I think around here we asked people, like, oh, we're running out of questions. So everyone started asking more questions. Okay. Strange asks, what modern games do you feel, if any, have achieved a this-is-it moment like landmark games of the past? Oh, uh, I mean, we, we talk Uncharted. Okay, like Uncharted so, like <laughs> I, I'm gonna guess he means very modern games, not a game from 2007. I mean, Last of Us is that very modern? Like, what no. are we? Do? What is Last of Us? 2008? You went up one year, or is that 2013? I, I don't know. I'm I'm gonna limit you to the past three years. Last three years. I haven't played that many games. I mean, Jesus. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, you put me in the span of time Past in which I had a years. baby. You can go five. You can go back to twenty seventeen. Like, yeah, that's still like I'm still like basically in baby mode. I can't even remember what I was doing. Like, what games came? I would have to have a list in front of me for the last five years. But like, no, Zelda Breath of the Wild is out. Mario Kart is out, right? I mean, a lot of the Nintendo franchises just kind of nail it, but um. Like, I think Elden Ring is one people are talking about right now. I don't know if that's going to stand the test of time. But, yeah, I, I don't have a good answer to this. What do you got, Tyler? Uh, I can, I think I can only put one, if you're not counting Path of Exile expansions. <laughs> um, uh, Divinity Original Sin 2. It, I mean, I've talked about it a lot on the show. I've raved about everything in this game. But computer rpgs i have always played a certain way it's always been load up on quest it's gonna be like all right i gotta cure the plague i gotta go into this dungeon kill everyone and it's always been kind of that kind of game and divinity original sin 2 is the first game i played where everything came together in terms of battle and exploration and questing where it's not just like i'm running around until i go into a battle when you were doing a quest in divinity original sin 2 uh, like you actually had to explore and interact with the environment, not just click everything, click all the doors, click all the chests like you're playing a Silent Hill game. There was actual problem solving involved in all the quests. It wasn't just kill quest. It wasn't just fetch quests. And it wasn't loaded up with any pointless encounters. And uh, I think it's the best computer RPG ever made. I think they completely nailed it. And it just surprised me in a way that like, I didn't know computer RPGs can be better than they already were. It's like, oh, the genre has room to grow. This is the craziest shit ever. And it was like entirely co-op with like tightly integrated co-op that worked completely well with me playing with someone in the same room. Uh, so that's going to be the the game I point to as the most revolutionary thing I've played in modern times. But other than that, like I I really don't play enough modern games to say like maybe maybe something like Elden Ring. But I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Breath of the Wild was like five years, though, so we made it. Was Breath Super of the Wild? I mean, I if I looked at Breath of the Wild, I would say once Breath of the Wild 2 comes out, people are going to look at Breath of the Wild and say, oh, yeah, all this random stuff in Breath of the Wild was trash. Why did we ever put up with this? Because they're going to improve something about it. I think Breath of the... To be clear, I think Breath of the Wild is like 10 out of the, 10 out of 10. I had so much fun playing Breath of the Wild. I found all of the, the shrines. I did all the stuff. 
I didn't collect all the 900 whatever dudes, but um, the Koopa seeds. Or I think Breath of the Wild could conceivably be, be a little better, even if it's just like performance, like the, like Lost Woods, like the frame rate sucks. Um, some people don't like the the weapon breaking. I didn't like the fact that there were shrines where it's just like, here's the shrine where you have to kill the robot. And there's just like 20 of those same exact shrine. I think they can make it a little better, Johnny, even if it is cool and revolutionary. Okay. What about Cuphead? Is Cuphead even modern anymore? <laughs> when did Cuphead come out? Like 2017. I wanted Cuphead physically for so long. I don't think it reached, that didn't like bring video games to the next level for me. I think it has like the most amazing art style in the world and it's really cool that they made a, like a running gun shooter, but. Yeah, I, I think Cuphead is fine, but I, I don't think it breaks that barrier. I It's hard. I For me, it's going to be, I, I would have to look at a, a much better list. Like 10 years I could do, five years, not so good. I mean, because when you talk about like those those next level, oh my god, we're here games. It also kind of has to be something with amazing graphics, just because graphics are a part of video games. So even when I think of like my favorite games, uh, Baba is You, I think takes puzzle games. Uh, it takes like Sakabon games, which have been remixed and done so many different ways, and it's just like, oh my god, they made like the craziest Sakabon game. This is one of the best puzzle games ever made. Or, uh, like, Undertale. Everyone loves Undertale, I know. Um, but it's an indie game made in Game Maker by one dude. I don't think it brought video games to the next level, uh, even if it is definitely one of my favorite games of the past five years. Yeah. It, it's, like I said, it's weird. Like, for me, it, like, maybe it hasn't happened yet or I don't have enough space. But when I think back on it, it's like 10 years. So, like, you get things like Portal and Portal 2. You have Bioshock. You know, like I, I'm still in that era. I have not moved on yet. Yeah, I see. I'm I'm the same with you. I think he's looking for the games that have uh are, are the next Portal, the next Bioshock. Yeah, but yeah the next you're like to the mass, wrong people, strange. What yeah, are you talking? We, mass um, <laughs> Mass Effect. Like you, people will say Dark Souls, you know, Last of Us. Like these are the games for me that are that are doing it. I just have not uh, gone beyond beyond that. All right, Johnny. That's it for questions. Okay. I already talk- told you what I'm buying. Nothing. Yeah, what are you buying? You, you didn't you buy, buy anything. You didn't buy a single game. Come on. I, I bought a really cool PC game that I'll talk about next episode. And uh, I bought something in Japan. Another, neither of them have arrived yet. So Okay. Well, I bought some GBA stuff. I bought Well, I bought Kong, the animated uh, game So for the GBA. Because there's like three King Kong games on the GBA, if you didn't know. Uh, all those Star Wars games came in, so uh, I, I got like for the Spectrum. I got I got that Droids game, another Spectrum game. Just yeah. I bought some ridiculous stuff. I was just like, man, what what did I buy? I bought dumb stuff. Well, let's buy all the dumb things. I got uh, Commodore game. Let's see, what else did I buy? Hold on, I have to to take a quick look. Oh, I bought Superman Special Edition, which Whoa. did not come. Yeah, it took forever to arrive, but I was going to post the picture for our episode, both the Supermans, and uh, so I'll have to promote that episode another time. I bought Wait, Star Wars Before you continue, Johnny, I have yeah. an update with something okay. I learned recently uh, in terms of early limited edition games. Wing Commander, similar to Ultima 6, you could pre-order Wing Commander 1 directly from Origin. And uh, if you did that, it would come with a hat, 
Uh, and it would be signed by the Wing Commander guy. What's the Wing Commander guy's name, Johnny? I don't know. Mm, why am I coming? Chris Roberts. Roberts Space Industries. He's the other guy. The fake game that doesn't exist. Star Citizen. Um, he was signed in the front of your box. His signature, one million percent not as cool as Lord British's signature. He does not have a good signature. Anyway, I just learned that existed. And I saw someone comment that there were multiple games you could pre-order from Origin. And now I want to know all the games you could pre-order from Origin. Uh, Wing Commander also came out in 1990, same year as Ultima 6. And uh, I saw an original receipt. The receipt said Wing Commander LE. So they called it a limited edition internally. And it comes with a little letter that calls it the that. special edition. I'm so excited about special edition stuff, Johnny. I love it. I love right. that you're excited about this. <laughs> I uh, back to what I bought. I bought Gunstar Superheroes, Tyler, for the oh. GBA. Yeah, I think um, I got one of those from Deal Tavern back in the the days of 2018. Yeah, so I got Star Wars Pit Droids. It's a PC ROM game because um, I'm just buying like weird Star Wars stuff. I got a Commodore 64 game, the Star Wars trilogy, and uh, yeah. I just bought a bunch of dumb, weird microcomputer Star Wars games because I'm like, uh, if I ever want to do the Star Wars thing again, I got to like have one of all this weird stuff and expand my scope better than I did because that's surely why the episode sucked last time and no one listened to it. It's oh, not yeah. it. That's not, you know, that's not yeah, the reason. The, when we do a Star Wars episode again, people really want to hear about like the weird Commodore games that no one's ever heard well, the, of. the episode is going to be five Star Wars games you've never heard of. Let's also, go. it's going to be like, oh yeah, I got this game for uh, six pounds, 95 pence because it's so collectible. <laughs> were hey, any, you know, I'm assuming all these computer games were like less than 10 pounds or uh, were any of them like expensive? Well, this one was eight pounds... Um, Pitroid was actually $16 because that's a big box PC game. Oh. $8, $8. Yeah. Uh, well, these three were 30 or 25, but I also, uh, it was three games. So yeah, they Someone were all about eight, the, eight to 10 I'm pounds. I'm sure we have British listeners. Someone explain why like your computer games are so not collectible. And I understand a lot of this software was like literally two pounds. Like it was meant to be budget software, but like shouldn't like a lot of people have experienced it and want to collect like Mastertronic games, even if they're worthless. No, I, I want some of it. I can't get all of it. Cause at some point it's just like, there's so many games that are literally two pounds that I, I just can't buy them all. But sometimes I go it. through and I'm like, Oh, there's all these horror games and they're all really cheap. And, I don't know what they are, but I mean, what am I going to do? They're a dollar. We just had an episode like one or two back on how you shouldn't do that, right? But Yep. I mean, uh, but... Sometimes well, I do that. <laughs> yeah, we're more of a say as we do, not do as we... Uh, uh, not do it. Do as we say, not as we do. That's yeah, what you definitely saying. got it right the first time. Yeah, okay. I wasn't sure. I started to get tongue-tied. Anyways, uh, that's what I bought. Uh, what did I play? I played some Elden Ring, and I'm still just dying. Great. I didn't play a lot. I've only played it like a few more hours. I'm a, I'm a little way in now. I've got like two great runes now, or three, two or three. So I'm doing some stuff. Yeah, I'm I'm advancing. I think I'm in the mid game. I don't know. People talk about end game and early game, and I, I have no idea what's going on. People talk about all these things I should be finding. I'm like, I don't know what any of that stuff is. I just kind of ride around and uh, just wind up in a place, and if I get my ass kicked repeatedly, I leave. Uh, can you beat the game with no armor yet? 
Nope. Mm. I can barely right. I can barely beat the first boss with uh, good armor. I'm terrible at this game. Um, yeah. Johnny, I played Golf It. That's literally the only game I played. <laughs> okay, I'm I'm sorry your your playing was so limited. Uh, you were busy at work. You were you weren't even like talking in in our channel. I've been in saying. yeah I know I've been uh, I've been buckling Go- down for a little bit. I'm also getting into uh, uh, my I've got I got my Path of Exile RSI that's acting up. Uh, so I'm like getting into like researching ergonomic keyboards and I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing there, Johnny. Get that wave one from like 1995. Johnny, I have already, I am so far down the rabbit hole, I have determined that the only, the only like 100% best solution is to design my own keyboard and 3D print, not design my own, but like to go on like weird GitHubs and like use Python scripts to generate my own 3D keyboards and 3D print them and hand wire them up myself to make sure I get the perfect shape keyboard. That's insanity. Yeah. It's going to be six, uh, 18 keys for each hand and it's going to be split. Um, and it's going to be like 3D sculpted. It looks like a little mountain. So it's not per- it's not just angled, but it's also like a key. I was I was I was thinking that like it should be where your hands aren't turned, like like as if you were sculpting clay, like that kind of orientation. Uh, yeah, I could do whatever I want because I could just edit the the 3D printer file. It's going to be uh, I can't wait to see you do this. Uh, yeah. I've already built one keyboard and I decided I don't want it. I've got a couple more PCBs on the way that are also going to be rejects. And then we're just going to start uh, printing and hand wire and stuff. Oh, man. I'm on I, like, man, don't play Path of Exile. This is literally all because I have I have like RSI from Path of Exile from playing like years ago. Uh, so and- uh, can, can Patreon giveaway uh, your rejected keyboards? Sweet. Um, okay. Yeah great you can, you guys can have i'm sure everyone wants like these weird like 41 key keyboards and like all like all these keyboards are super tiny um because i want to move my fingers as little as possible um you are such a wacko uh controller support coming to path of exile in the next patch don't do oh. it or do i i don't have to play it but i could play it johnny <laughs> I have like this weird keyboard that I had my MMO keyboard, which was like something like your hand just like sits in and there's like 12 keys and then like a little, uh, like a little thumbstick for your WASD. Oh, it's it's not the, like the was Z boards. It has like the weird red arrow keys or something else. Oh, you're talking about a Logitech G13. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I used one of those. Yeah. I, so I always, when I was growing up, I guess for welcome to after dark. This is how we talk. Um, when I was growing up for the longest time. I'm talking into like battlefield two. So like, like 2005, I played PC games with arrow keys because that's how I played Wolfenstein 3d as a kid. And then what, I don't know when people changed. So I sometime in the, the mid 1990s. So I guess unreal through unreal tournament era, people changed to WASD. And because the W key is offset from S, I thought it was the dumbest thing in the world to use WASD. And now, obviously, I use WASD. I'm not a crazy person. But I used to use arrow keys. And there's almost nothing around arrow keys, so I would, I would map jump to the middle mouse button. And that is how I played all my first-person shooters. That's very funny. Um, yeah, it was it was awful. I, I have seen the light. WASD. But then I got the Logitech G13 because I loved it because it has the the keys in a grid layout. It's not yep. a little bit offset. Yeah, I I like 
I like the G13. Do you know that still goes for some money? Like people are still paying over a hundred dollars for this thing. That's the craziest shit I've ever heard because like, that's like a membrane thing and people are all about mechanical keyboards now. Yeah. This is like, literally I see them selling for over a hundred dollars. What are you talking? All right. Oh my God. What? Yeah. I Crazy. mean, it's, it was pretty comfortable, I guess, but I mean, it was I would pretty good. I wouldn't want to like, use it anymore. I would want to use like mechanical keyboards. You know what it reminded me of? It reminds me a bit of a like a power glove, like the feel, like where you just like get your hand in there. Not that it acts like a power glove, but you're just like this whole apparatus you get your hand on. You're just like, yeah, I've that's what I'm going for with my uh, with my own keyboards, Johnny. It's called a well. It, it's going to be a a. A, a, a variant of it, but a dactyl manuform. If anyone wants to go look up weird keyboards, that's what All I'm right. going to start building. Yeah, go look at uh, dactyl manuform and Logitech G13s. And that's <laughs> it for this episode. Tyler, where can we find you? Uh, nowhere. I've been gone. But uh, I'm on the Instagram and Video Game Sages, the video game website that will never go back to its old domain name, apparently. Uh, I'm Default Gen, Default G E N. And you can find me on Instagram under Johnny underscore Ayuchi and, uh, of course, on our Discord, where you can also find Tyler talking mad shit all the time. Tyler is just in there, just gabbing at people. And you can find our other host, uh, Stefan uh, Reese. He's at Art of NP. You can mainly find him on Twitter, but also on Instagram. And he's doing stuff. You, he's everywhere. So if you really need to see Stefan stuff, go search He's like for talking that. to Reggie on Twitter. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Anyways. That's a thing. Thanks for listening, everybody. Appreciate it so much. And uh, yeah, hope this episode made you think about a few things because this was one of our thought piece episodes. All right, that's it. Bye. That is our show. Thank you guys for listening. Errata for this show. I said there was a tiger handheld of vanilla ice. It's actually MC Hammer. I'm sorry I mixed up the two greatest artists of 1990. Also, there is no PS5 emulator, which isn't really surprising considering, like, Elden Ring runs better on a PS5 than it runs natively on PC. Uh, all those fake PS5 emulators are, like, scams and viruses or something. Which, you know, we shouldn't be surprised because I think PS3 emulation is just coming into its own right now. Thank you to 8-Bit, A-P-E-Bit, like the monkey, 8-Bit.Bandcamp.com. He does our amazing intro music. And thank you to the patrons Guys, it's sick. I go on Patreon and it's like, no new patrons. I don't have to come up with a new name. Richard, patron number one, Bowden, Canadian variant alert, Chris Glidden, Nintendo World Champion, Daniel Jackspick, High End Collector, Andrew Brim, Greeting Stranger, I'm not surprised to see Andrew Shelton around here, 50 Hertz is good enough for me, Andre, Video Games Were Meant to Be Slab, Brandon Ackley, Brian Gupta, and Pocky and Rocky with Becky, Mint Condition, Brian J. Mora, The Strictly Limited, Super Rare, Bruno, Fat Cat Collector, Chris Jackson, Chris SNK, Too Many NES, Too Many, I hate this name. Chris SNK, Too Many NES Accessories, Rosek, Johnny GBA Hookup, Coffee with Mr. Saturn, All of Our GBA Hookup, Playing with Power, Connor Strange, The Last Game You Need for the Set, Corey O'Brien, Unpunched Hank Tab, Dustin Beagle, He Has Returned to Judge This City, Eric Addison, Man of Nintendo in the World of Nintendo, Funky Brewsta, Another Vinyl Collector, Really? Grizzly X Bear, the actual Shinobi, Jasonic the Kid, Jeff the Game Boy, Ferris, 
Brad Pyramid Thing, Jonathan Shados, the Nintendo Tape Archivist, Joseph Leo, Lance Lord Hardstyle Z, the Degenerate Matt Fall, Mr. CIB, get your loose Genesis carts out of here, Funko Land employee, Platform Agnostic, the Famicom Box Retro Game Enthusiast. They can be Ghost and Goblins twice. Sheffish. Vintage video game connoisseur who knows they're better than modern games. The Fuzzy. Sean. The Gamer Collective. The Newcraft. Who can beat Mega Man without the pause trick. Previously unknown variant. Tim Walker. I mean, he's posting variants on the Discord. I don't know. Are they unknown? All you do is post variants. From the internet. Fisher, can't put limits on collecting, VG Collectaholic, The Willennium, Will Joe, actually, I, I, I can change that nickname. I unironically enjoy Will Smith's music, so you know, the whole Grammy thing is a little disappointing. Keeper of the Zelda variant, Zero X Depth Code, getting the full PS2 set because Stefan won't, all caps, no gods or kings, only Andy Lancaster! What a 9.8, A++ Benji, the actually rare Bird Dog Gaming, dropping the Mario 64 Penguin off the map, Brandon Chalker, Brandon Rogers, whose favorite episode is the wrestling episode, still finding deals in 2022, Colton Murphy, a winner is him, David Green, Derek Lauer, who made me edit this show, Don Libby, the hero of time, Double Ugly presents Double Ugly, the official game of the movie, actually understands the Zelda timeline, Jeff Pierce, he is error, Jeff Russell, Jeremy Jarvis, here for the Pog Talk, Joe actually plays his game's champ pity, video game art collector, because video games are art, Justin Chichio, lateral movement, who's got a Donkey Kong kill screen coming up, Michael, posted in the Discord right now, Chiara Monty, Nick the Video Game Database Morgan, Homebrew Mastermind Divertop, he's a genius, the other guy who collects Korean releases, Peaceful Games, Dungeon Master, Reed Stubenick, The Promoter, Retro RPG Podcast, Tom Obscure Variant Chaser Chase, Zaventorian, he knows all 97 Nintendo games, 32 bits or less, do the math! Andrew actually collecting N-Gage O. Do we talk about N-Gage? I mean, there's an N-Gage episode, uh, there's an N-Gage emulator now. It's pretty new. I think like three or four years ago, there wasn't an N-Gage emulator. So you know what? Maybe you started collecting N-Gage because there wasn't an emulator. But now N-Gage is free for everybody. We can all play N-Gage. But you should still probably own an N-Gage. I think a key part of understanding the N-Gage, at least the original Taco N-Gage, is that you had to remove the battery of the phone to change the game, which was the craziest bad piece of design I think I'd ever seen at the time. And I owned a Game Gear. Ben Parker, a bad enough dude to rescue the president. Chesno, all your base are belong to him. Colby, he is Sinistar. Corhagen does what Nintendo don't. Daniel McArdle, who thought this was the Retronauts Patreon. The modern database, Danny Gomez. The philatelist, Dork Overlord. If you guys aren't following Dork Overlord on Instagram, he is posting like all these cereal promotional games and like fast food promotional games. Oh man, it's the coolest stuff. I love it. My childhood PlayStation idol, Game-Rave.com. Joseph Rogers got 50,000 on Double Dragon, collecting everything, including Atari, Kalen McAteer, Sam, Sega Mark III Marks, and Sean the Video Game Illuminati La. Thank you guys so much.